They will be discussing the topic dealing with compound disasters on emergency and emergency manager perspective. So I'm incredibly excited to introduce Paul Falavalito, an emergency managing team from Pittsburgh. Paul has been an EMS for White Oak for over 22 years. He's been there for Hurricane Sandy, Hurricane Irene, and now COVID-19. Um, unfortunately, we can't be in a video studio together, so Zoom will have to do for now. Um, I'm personally very interested in this topic, and I'm sure a lot of people will gain a lot of value from your insights. So um, let's get into the questions, Paul, shall we? Absolutely. Thanks for having me. No worries. So yeah, my first question is, you know, for all the craziness that's gone on, what resources, you know, from your perspective, do emergency managers wish they had to better deal in a major crisis like COVID-19? So I think that what this pandemic is ultimately going to reveal for a lot of people in emergency management is that need to really look back on your existing um, hazard analysis that you've done for your community or for your county or even for your state. Mm. And I think there's going to be a lot of revisions that get made to it because I can yeah. tell you, so I'm a local emergency manager, which means I'm an emergency management uh, person for my uh, community. It's only yep. six and a half square miles, about eight to 9,000 people. And, you know, years ago, uh, so five years ago was the last time uh, we did our hazard and threat analysis. When you yep. look at pandemic, that score is very low. Definitely. Right? Definitely. You know, it's, it scores very low on what you put all your time and effort into planning for and gathering resources for. And now this happens and yep. that's going to look differently now moving forward. Definitely. And what comes with that is also going to be the need for the resources. So prior to this pandemic hitting, we never did virtual meetings. We never had a virtual EOC. We never had a virtual yep. uh, joint information center. But yeah. guess what? We have all that <laughs> stuff now. Yeah, definitely. Right? So that's now a great resource that's going to get added to the emergency management toolkit because now whenever we have those, uh, you know, multiple or compounding disasters yeah. all at once, uh, yeah. we're going to be able to stand those two things up very quickly and be able to coordinate stuff from truly any location. Right. Definitely. So that's enabled you at least to, because of the rapid response that's been required this time round, that you're kind of building foundations that you wouldn't necessarily have built before to deal yeah. with this. Yeah. Okay. Really interesting. Um, like I never knew Zoom was a thing until. <laughs> yeah. Seriously. Welcome. I was Welcome always a FaceTime guy, my iPhone, but now oh, yeah. here's Zoom and I'm like, this is the, this is the coolest thing ever. It's pretty um, great. Yeah. yeah. And the virtual backgrounds, definitely um, yeah. a fun, cool. fun thing to play with. So, and actually that leads really well into the next question. So, you know, as an EMS, what additional complexities are introduced um, by the pandemic, by the pandemic when planning for hurricane season? So yeah, talking about that compounding effect and how that's going to yeah, affect. So, so again, one of the other uh, challenges that we're seeing with this and for you know my, my 22 years being uh, in ems mm -hmm. 
we've always relied on our hospital-based supply chain for all the single-use throwaway pieces of uh, PPE or equipment that we use. Mm-hmm. Now only coming to find out that that's not the case anymore. We can't get the we can't get the equipment we need, and you're seeing that yeah. worldwide being broadcast on all of the mainstream media. So that's obviously a gigantic challenge for future. Uh, now we have to plan as if we are our own little deserted island. Right. And now not only do I have to plan to have some kind of a stockpile of equipment for the normal everyday ambulance calls. Mm -hmm. But now I also have to expand that thought process to what if we have severe flooding from, you know, a hurricane, because where I'm geographically located, we're not going to get a category five impact the way that the coast of the United States is going to get. Definitely. What we will get is the state of emergency with the spinning hurricane that sits over us for three days dumping you know two to three inch per hour rain on us that's going yeah. to flood you know 40 to 50 percent of our municipality so now i need to start thinking about planning and stockpiling stuff for that because the big kick to the chest that everyone has seen is that the world supply chain can go down like that oh yeah for sure and it absolutely has and that's something that was that nobody had on their radar was that what if the world runs out of something? <laughs> yeah. Right? What if we the never, world runs no. out of this hand sanitizer? I know. Did. So now we have to plan for that moving forward that supply chains yep. don't exist. Yeah. Um, that's that's going to be a, a monster challenge moving forward, planning for hurricane season, planning for flooding season. Uh, because that is that is probably our number one impact that we get is flooding in our community. For sure. Um, and obviously, I mean, very relevant for us because that's kind of what we, we focus in. And out of curiosity, when you are dealing with these floods, you know, what kind of um, predictive tools or forecasting, like how many days do you actually get to prepare for a flood? Or is it just as you know, the water's rising. How, how does that usually play out? So, so you're going to love the answer to this. Oh, and no. <laughs> this, is, this is an unfair question to ask me because I'm okay. very blessed that on my staff for EMS mm-hmm. and emergency management, one of our emergency management coordinators has his degree in meteorology. Oh, that's doing. amazing. Penn State Meteorology, which is where all the big USA national weather forecaster people on TV go to. For sure. Uh, So he knows all those people. So when we talk about weather in our community, we talk Mm -hmm. about it much differently than the way a lot of people do in their communities. They rely on apps or what the TV is saying. Yeah, 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 yeah. Weather channel is saying where we have a guy that truly is tied into the National Weather Service. Uh, yeah, forecasting the models and everything so we're getting you know as close to real-time info as we get so when it's when it's anything weather related uh he you know has that ability to communicate within our team um you know usually it's a day or so out is when yeah. you know you know because usually he says you know anything greater than 
you know, three, four days, that's going to change. The percentages are going to change going uh, closer to the event. Yeah. And, um, you know, so it's usually a day or so is, is when we start to, you know, get really dialed into what he's telling us. And I'll yeah. tell you, I will send you his contact info. <laughs> want to talk weather, you got to do one of these little Zoom things with this guy. Oh, I definitely will, 100%. He, he, yeah. He will make you sit there and think in 40 different directions <laughs> um, and make That's you amazing. look at things much differently. Yeah, always, always keen to talk to experts in the field for sure. Um, and so, you know, you're getting potentially one to two days lead time. What does that mean for your kind of organization of? you know, your volunteers and um, sure. your resources. Yeah. So, so one of the things we do exceptionally well in our community is we have already built those bridges with all of our public safety agencies, police, fire, EMS, public works. Yeah. And we've explained to them this framework concept of emergency management and how it's a whole community approach to solving a problem flooding or a severe weather event. Yeah. And so they've all bought into it. They've all understood it. It wasn't always that way, but you know, it, it took a couple years to really yeah. get everybody on the same page. This yeah. pandemic right now is really reinforcing and proving the point of the importance of everybody being on the same page and on the same Definitely. team. Yeah. And so um, what that looks like when it's a weather event, that's a day or two out when we have some pretty, good confidence levels that something is going to impact us that's going to impact the infrastructure of our community yeah um again we can communicate with all of those department heads and say hey these are the hours uh where we where we're relatively confident it's going to happen this is where you want to up staff yeah. we have a flood map for our uh community that's based off of uh, the 911 calls we've received for flooding. Right. So, yeah. Okay. So we know where the hot spots are. Yeah. Um, we know what percentage of our um, community is going to be without power. We know yeah. who those people are that are dependent on electricity uh, for medical devices at home. So we have a pretty robust system in place where when we overlay a situation of flooding, uh, that could be power outage, um, that could be people not able to get out and drive um, yeah. for periods of time, we can spin that up on a map and know where to kind of allocate yeah, right. resources towards and get things in place for our yeah. residents. Yeah, and in terms of, um, I mean, as a lot of people say, you know, no disaster is the same. So right. is that map... I mean, it would be helpful, but it's, you know, is it kind of still re like, you know, you're using historical data to, um, to try and understand that. So is it quite useful every time that you've used it? Yeah, it, it, it's, it's, it's been useful specifically in the last year because it was within the last year is when I sat down and made the map because yeah. 2019 was the first year that you know, we always associated flooding with some kind of a big storm system, right. like the remnants of a tropical storm or the remnants of a hurricane. But 2019 was the first year for my community that, you know, the normal summer rainstorm was causing 
flooding that we had never seen before. Yeah, for sure. And so that's so that's when we started to say, this is what we need to base it off of. Let's not base it off of, you know, a storm that hit 10 years ago that was a once every 10 year event. Mm. We need to base this map off of the normal rain that comes within a normal rain season. Yeah. So that's what we did. Yeah, that's amazing. I mean, it's just, yeah, it's, it's really interesting to hear. And that's definitely, um, yeah, I think you're certainly uh, potentially ahead of the curve having that um, because, you know, where our solution came about. And I have to do a quick plug just because I have to do it. Um, But yeah, our solution came about because we wanted to, you know, instead of using historical data, having real-time inundation maps and depths. So you can actually see like at kind of max 10 days before an event hits, exactly like you can see on a map exactly where it's growing and where it's going to to kind of hit in different areas and then also the depth. So um, like amazing, like the 2019 maps would have definitely um, been super helpful if there's similar weather events continuously happening, but in the event that, you know, yeah, maybe a, a um, more extreme event, even more extreme than that happens, then potentially it's not as useful. Whereas we're trying to use live data because we're seeing flooding events becoming so much more severe, um, so much more frequent that it becomes more and more difficult to use data, even in the past year with, how some of these events are changing so um but yeah but i still i still think that that's like definitely useful but i think there's um yeah still kind of limitations in in using something that's a year back versus using actual real-time data that can account for like climate change and and things like Very that cool. so um yeah just just to jump in but uh, i will i won't plug anymore i promise um and yeah i think you answered this earlier potentially but you know, what do you think will be like the main learnings from the current crisis? You know, what's going to be like the, what are we going to look back on in, in five years and, and be like, oh yeah, now we've done X, Y, Z. Yeah, I, I, I believe that number one and most importantly, the, the community, the population is going to pay more attention to those preparedness messages that Definitely. emergency management Uh, has been giving out. Um, The other thing that I think is truly going to come about from this is new partnerships and a new way of thinking Mm. because, you know, local home supply stores were never on my radar for purchasing medical equipment. Right. Yeah. And now we're finding ourselves going there and buying Tyvek suits because none of our major medical suppliers are shipping or can get product right now. So now we're literally relying on looking online at all the different home supply stores in the area, sending someone up to go buy, you know, 20 or 30 of these at a pop. Um, So I think that the other big thing that comes from this is a new list of vendors and partnerships that, you know, we have to, when this is all said and done, take the time to go build those bridges with those people and connect with them so that um, they know in the time of the next disaster or crisis, if we call, 
and say, can you set X number of boxes of this product aside? They, they yeah. will be able to reference back to this and understand the gravity of the situation and the urgent need that we exactly. have uh, for that. Um, yeah. But I, I truly think that the number one biggest talking point when this is all said and done is going yeah. to be that people are going to realize truly as a world how vulnerable we truly are. Oh, 100 percent. You yeah. know, because in the past you would hear of, you know, a hurricane or a weather event or anything that happens in another country and you think, oh, you know, we're in this part of the world, that's not going to yeah, impact us. Exactly. And this is showing in a short period of time how truly uh, connected we all are and how Definitely. something that happens here can easily disrupt and impact everything here. And unfortunately, people are, are feeling that uh, Definitely. With tremendous suffering right now. Yeah, and it is just so, yeah, it's so sad to, um, particularly my thoughts go out to, to, to you guys and everyone over in the USA, like we're headquartered here in Australia and we've managed to um, more or less start on the, the um, kind of, uh, what do you call it, like flattening the curve. Um, yeah. we've already seen early signs of that, which is great, but, um, yeah, seeing the numbers for the USA, I can't imagine how, you know, worried people must be. And yeah, it's not just that toll of, um, like the health issue, but also like the mental health issue that so many people would be facing right now. And that's, and, a, that's a gigantic deal right now. And I'll, yeah. and I'll share with you uh, quickly, you know, yeah, the perspective. Please. All the plans in the world are great, right? <laughs> and even the people that had great pandemic plans yep. did not have in their plan. Now we're going to lay into that plan the need to tell the people that you're going to get one mask and you have to wear it for the whole shift and you have to start wearing these single-use yeah. medical yeah. equipment over and over again. Yeah, and That's the number one thing that's really that I'm seeing that's causing EMTs, paramedics, nurses, and doctors, the most psychological challenges, mm. because, you know, if you've been in the medical field for a long period of time, it's muscle memory to take a pair of gloves off, throw them away, take a glove or a mask yeah, off, definitely, throw them away, definitely. rip that gown off. Yeah. Um, but now telling people that you're only getting one per shift and you got to make it last and you have to wear it multiple times yeah. is really a gigantic psychological impact on, you know, people because yeah. you know, yes, we signed up to save lives. Yes. We trained to save lives, but we, we do it with the mindset that we're going to have the proper personal protective equipment. Yeah, um, to exactly. be able to do that. And, you know, like I read a tweet, someone said asking us to rewear the same equipment, you know, in essence is like asking a soldier to wear a piece of cardboard going into battle. That's it. Yeah. That's and it's not proper PPE, like uh, having a mask, you know, right. that's like one third of, of what PPE is. So yeah, I can imagine that that would put a lot of like mental stress on those who, yeah, we need to protect the most yeah. so that they can protect other people. So yeah. Definitely 
something that, you know, maybe we weren't ready for, but I think we'll learn a lot from this. And um, obviously everyone already loves emergency managers, but now we're even just like, so thankful to all of the public servants that have been helping out. Um, yeah. Across the world. It's just incredible. The kind of like, you know, selflessness really that, um, that you guys are, are putting out there to save lives. So like, yeah, huge thanks for everything that you've done so far. Thank you. Yeah, no worries. Um, so I actually think that is kind of the end of my questions. Um, but this has been amazing. I actually, yeah, just love getting an insight into kind of the world of, um, and EMS and yeah, thank you so much for all of oh, your like service in the past like 20 plus years. It's amazing. And thank you so much for, for chatting. I'm sure we'll um, potentially have another segment in the future and I'd love to speak to your weather guy as well. Um, yeah, I'll send so. you his info and, and anytime <laughs> if you want to do this again or even when it's done, uh, the, the road to recovery from this, I think is going to be very long for a lot of people. For sure. It's going to be, disease, yeah. And, uh, we're going to feel these impacts for a long, long time. So sure. if you want to do it again, just let me know. I'll be more than happy to jump on. with you. Definitely. And, um, before I kind of sign off, did you want to talk about any interesting things that you're doing? I think you released a book recently. Yeah, and actually kind of the, the funny story is I, I released a leadership book uh, back in September and uh, because I do a leadership uh, podcast, I also do an emergency management podcast and yeah. an uh, EMS podcast, but my publisher's in Australia. He's in Sydney. Oh, wow. There you go. So kind of what was neat about this was you know, when I, when I jumped into starting to first write the book and I was texting him or emailing him, yeah. I was getting frustrated that I wasn't getting timely responses. And then oh. I realized, oh my God, I'm messaging him when he's yeah. asleep. Yeah. So, I, so yeah. I, I had to set my clock to Sydney time. Yeah. And when it was time to do book work, I would yeah. operate on that. So when I needed him, I knew that he would be awake and functioning and I yeah. could get the answers. Uh, to my questions, but yeah, so that was a kind of unique story just to just to tie us together even more with the Australia United States connection. Definitely, but, yeah. Uh, we um we typically were over in the U.S. half the year, but obviously, like we couldn't travel this year, so it's been difficult for us to operate on the time zone because it is almost 11 p.m. at night. But I I just have to take calls like late at night and really early in the morning to be on the right. same time zone, so. Yeah, commitment to the cause for sure. Um, but we love our US folks, so we'll definitely we'll do it every day. Um, yeah, but yeah, good. thanks so much, Paul. I um, might you. sign off there, but yeah, thank you so much for for all of your insight. And um, yeah, good luck with the rest of the rest of the crisis and everything that's going to go on. And, and good luck and stay safe. Thank you. All right.